Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For today's episode, I bring you Father Brown, episode titled The Invisible Man, original air date January 6, 1985, where Father Brown is called to help in the hunt of a mysterious killer known only as an invisible man. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. The Father Brown Stories by G.K. Chesterton. We present The Invisible Man, adapted by John Scotney, with Andrew Sachs as Father Brown. Merry Christmas, Mrs. Wilkins. Oh, Hugh, Mr. Angus. Yes, I'm afraid so. Ooh, it's snowing again out there and a bitter wind. Oh, really, Mr. Angus? My word, those plum puddings look absolutely deadly. Oh, Mr. Angus. <laughs> look, I'll um, just pop through to the tea room for a warming cup of your delicious coffee. Hmm? Well. Oh, Mr. Angus. Oh, Laura, alone at last. And what would you like, Mr. Angus? Ah, the blessed ghastliness of Mrs. Wilkins' patisserie. It makes her tea room such a haven of privacy. A small cup of black coffee, please. How much of the coconut kisses? A penny, a penny. Oh, dear. Can't afford it. I'll have to have a real kiss instead. John, don't. Mm. Mrs. Wilkins will see. I'll get your order. Hello, Mrs. Wilkins. Oh, that's Mr. Angus. Uh, I might have known her idea of Christmas decorations would be holly. Extremely prickly holly. Not a twig of mistletoe. Eh, Mrs. Wilkins? She'll throw you out. <laughs> Here's your order. Will that be all? Uh, oh, uh, just one thing more. I want you to marry me. Those are jokes I don't allow. No, really. Truly. I'm being perfectly serious for once in my life. As serious... Uh, as serious as the halfpenny bun. <laughs> the halfpenny bun? Mm. Marriage is expensive, like the bun. One pays for it. It is indigestible, like the bun. It hurts. John, there's something I must... Mm-hmm. Anyway, what will your uncle say? Oh, who cares? Look, the old admiral cut me off without a penny years ago. 
on account of my gross and irredeemable socialism. That's how I became a poor, starving artist. <laughs> well, a rather inadequately paid newspaper illustrator, actually. I repeat, I'm being perfectly serious. I've even saved money. I have sold my soul. <laughs> I've drawn nothing for weeks but jolly robins, oh. jolly fat little men with sacks and white beards, jolly reindeer, jolly candles, jolly holly. <laughs> I've, um, bought you a ring. Oh, John, you are serious. Only, oh, this is terrible. You don't give me time to think. Ah, I'm not such a fool. There's something I must tell you. Mm -hmm. I've got a break in half an hour. Where can we meet? Oh, the usual place in the park. But it's snowing. <sighs> we'll, we'll build a snowman. John. Hello. There. One snowman nearly finished. You haven't got a pipe and a carrot about you, have you? To finish him off. Mr. Angus, before mm? there's a minute more of this nonsense, I must tell you something about myself as shortly as I can. There's nothing I'm ashamed of, but it's it's a nightmare. What? Now, my father owned an inn, the Red Fish at Lobbury. I used to serve behind the bar. Ah, I always knew you were reared among nobler beverages than tea and coffee. <clears throat> Look. Do you mind if we walk? I'm freezing. Right. Lobbury's a sleepy little hole tucked away in the woods. The only people who ever came to the Redfish were the usual commercials and men who had nothing better to do than lean about in a barroom and bet on all sorts. Mm, sounds quite idyllic. The exotic strangers and the sportive kings. Now for myself. Oh, I would... do hold your tongue and listen. Huh? There were two of them in particular. Really, I was a bit sorry for them. They were so unattractive. Mm. One was very small, a tiny little man. He had little bright black eyes like a bird's. And he was curiously clever at all kinds of things. Like making a jumping kangaroo out of five cigars. Or getting 15 matches to set fire to each other. Like a regular firework. Isidore Smythe. That was his name. Mm. And uh, the other one, was he, by contrast, enormously tall? He hmm? was quite tall. He had light-coloured hair. I think that was what was so dreadful about him. He was so completely nondescript. A dreary, silent, ordinary man. James Welkin, he was called. He never did anything except soak in our bar parlour and go for long walks by himself in the dull grey hills all around. So, I was startled and very sorry when they both... They both offered to marry me in the same week. Good Lord. Did you marry them both? Hmm? I did a very silly thing. I had a horror of their realising. I refused them because I found them both so impossibly unattractive. <clears throat> so I made up some gas about never meaning to marry anyone who... Oh, it sounds ridiculous, but I was very young. Anyone who hadn't carved his own way in the world. Two days later, the old trouble began. I suddenly heard that both of them had gone off to seek their fortunes. As though they were in some silly fairy tale. <laughs> and now they've come back from the gold fields of Australia with red shirts, huge moustaches and uh, sacks full of half-time nuggets. Oh, not eh? quite. <laughs> what time is it? Um, half past. I must be getting back. Come on, we must hurry. Wait a minute. What happened? Hmm? Well, about a fortnight ago, I got a letter from Smythe. And this last week, he's come in the tea room twice. What? 
I suppose you've seen all the hoardings all about this smart silent service. Oh, yes, I know. Um, turn a switch, a housemaid who doesn't flirt, set a dial, a cook who is never cross. All hmm? kinds of fancy machines for doing the housework. Vacuum carpet sweepers, steam washing machines, electric refrigerators, electric kettles. Oh, well, anyway, these machines, whatever they are, they're making him pots of money. Spare, and there's something you haven't told me. What? The other man, hmm? Yes, you're right. Yes. He's the one I'm frightened of. I haven't seen him. I've heard him. Well, how? It was just a few seconds before Smythe's letter come through the door. I heard his laugh. I opened the door. And? There was no one there. Good Lord. I'd forgotten how he laughed. One of the reasons I found him so unattractive. I say that's rum. Yes, it is, isn't it? No, I don't mean that, though it is, of course. I mean this, here. Well, this paper stuck to the shop window, this thin strip. Do you know what it says? Smythe shan't have you. If you marry him, he will die. <gasps> Who the devil are you? Isidore. Sorry, I startled you. <laughs> it's these rubber sole shoes, one of my own products. <laughs> They're very quiet, especially in the snow. <laughs> and this gentleman, Laura? Mr. John Turnbull Angus. Mr. Isidore Smythe. How do you do? How do you do? Uh, it is undoubtedly Wilkins writing, is it not, Laura? Aye. I came to tell you that I too have heard from James. Have you? Yes. Five times in the last fortnight he's left threatening letters at my flat. Yet the porter swears he didn't see anyone in the least suspicious. And here he has pasted up some sort of dado on public shop window, while people in shop Quite were... so, while the people in the shop were having their tea. Aye. Or rather, while the person in the shop was having his tea, there's only that little priest. Well, we must speak to him. What? Oh. Yes, can't stop. Uh, oh, Mr. Angus. Evening, Mrs. Wilkins. I see trade is looking up. A customer. A guest. Uh, oh, Laura. I'll explain in a minute, Mrs. Wilkins. I hope you will. Excuse me, uh, are you speaking to me? Could we, uh, could we have a word with you a minute, please, Father? Oh, the, yes, yes, certainly. If you marry him, he will die. Oh, dear. The thing is, Father, did you see anybody stick it up there? I wonder what those little holes can be. It is probably stamp paper. Easy enough to get hold of and no one could possibly trace it. Uh, more important, though, Father, did you see anyone stick it there? Uh, no, no, but then I wouldn't, you see. I'm terribly short-sighted, and uh, oh. I was rather a long way away. Oh, I have perfect eyesight. Ah. I, I assure you, I saw nobody. Oh, that's amazing. Well, if I were you, smile, old chap, I'd put the whole thing in the hands of some energetic private inquiry agents. Well, you're right, of course. Um, but some of these private detective fellows are... Well, you now, know... Now, there, perhaps, I may be able to help. What? I know an extremely clever fellow. His name's Flambeau. Oh, he's a foreigner. Uh, yes. His office is in town, but his flat's not far away. Uh, do mention me, Father Brown. It's only a few stops on the Penny Omnibus. Penny Omnibus be done. I'll go in the car. Go with him, John. Why? He may need help. Now, look here, look. No, huh? don't worry. The threat's against Mr. Smythe. Not against me. Remember, I know James Wilkins. 
A design car myself, Mr. Angus. As you see, it is extremely simple to drive. Anybody buying one, no need to employ chauffeur. It's uh, remarkable. To keep a servant, Mr. Angus. Servant? Uh, no, I can't afford to. I can afford to. I'm a millionaire, oh. but I choose not to. Uh, my rival, I suspect I should say our rival. Well. Welkin. Yes. He was left a little money. When I last saw him, he was drinking his way pretty deeply into that capital. I don't know what Laura told you. Well, she gave me a... Oh, dear. Whatever Laura may have imagined, I always earned every penny I spent. I had to. My parents there were already long dead. They'd been servants up at all. Between them, they earned £50 a year for a 12-hour day. Blackleading grades. Boiling laundry. Mind your box! Heating up water on fire and carrying up for master's bath. Sweeping and dusting it killed my mother. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. I'd firm such drudgery is unnecessary. I believe that in 60, 70 years' time, say by 1970, 1980, no one will need to employ domestic servants or to be employed as a servant. And the reason? Machines of which the machines I manufacture are but the primitive ancestors. It will be the new golden age, but a golden age without slavery. That's mine, that horse. <laughs> Obsolete animal! Oh, I get carried away. Ah, Hampstead. We must be nearly there. What's the address? Uh, Lucknow Mansions. How very odd. I live at Himalaya Mansions, just round corner. Look, why don't you come up to my flat? I'll show you Wilkins' letters and you can run round and get that flambeau chap. Here we are, my flat. Well, avert your eyes. I beg your pardon. Well, I turn this combination lock to neutralise burglar alarm system. Otherwise, when I open the door, bells will ring in here and in Hall Porter's office. Oh, I see. Good. Now we can go in. See, electric light comes on as we enter. Come through to the kitchen, shut the door. Oh, yes. Oh, Lord, what a battery paraphernalia. What's that? That is my electric knife sharpening and polishing machine. I say, I wouldn't half mind having one of those. 33 guineas. 33 guineas? What's a bit, Steve? Costly. Like so many of my machines, it is, at present, vastly more expensive than the human servant it replaces. Oh. Fortunately for me, my things are fashionable among the far-sighted. Did you know that on King Edward's yacht he has no less than three electric refrigerators? One just for champagne? Really? Ah, here, here. Here are the letters. Huh? Living room is through there. Door, of course, is automatic. I just press this button here. So. And if you go to see her today, I will kill you. Mm. That's the last, and it came this morning. Aye. Look, have you a glass of whiskey? I think I need one. Of course. Watch this. I call it my invisible footman. You see the little rails on the floor? Yes. Now, look at that metal cabinet over there. Mm -hmm. I press this switch on the arm of my chair. Good now, this one. Oh, Do I take a drink of it? Oh! Oh, heavens! Smile! <coughs> Are you all right? It's still experimental. I haven't got the circuits quite right. That's one disadvantage. <coughs> a human footman wouldn't explode in a blue flash and give off clouds of smoke. <coughs> oh, you haven't seen my uncle's butler. Look, if you don't mind, I think I'll forget about the whiskey and trot over to this blombo fellow, too sweet, hmm? Uh, yes, yes, right. This way. Okay. 
Uh, Mr. Angus, I don't know how to... Uh... Don't think nothing of it, old boy. <laughs> Workers of the world unite, you know. Aye, <laughs> may the best man win. Uh, eh? Oh, look, I see you've got one of these spy hole things in the door. Smythe, I beg you, open this door to no one till I get back, hmm? Well, I won't. Cheerio, then. I'll put the alarm on. Good right. Champagne Charlie is me name. Champagne drinking is me game. Oh. Ah, madam, scrubbing away, I see. Yes, sir, scrubbing. Mm. Did you know that one day you might be replaced by a machine? Oh, good. Mm. Well, but for the moment, I want you to take this with my best wishes for a happy Christmas and a prosperous New Year. Thank you, sir. Oh, oh, thank you. And when I come back, I shall give you another half-crown. Another half-crown? Yes, because I want you to watch that door. Yes. And if anyone tries to go in there, I want you to nip down in the lift and tell the hall porter immediately. Yes. Anyone, do you understand? Yes, sir. Splendid. Compliments of the season, hmm? Flipping tops. Oh, well, at least the snow has stopped. Yes. Uh, you see, I am from the south, Mr. Angus. I do not share your northern taste for winter weather. <laughs> so, uh, you told Smythe to open the door to no one. That's hmm? right, yes. And you said the cleaning woman on sentry duty. Uh, what else? Well, I also warned the hall porter, of course. Oh, and the hot chestnut man outside. Mm -hmm. Oh, and best of all, there was a policeman outside. Ah, I explained everything to him, and he agreed to keep guard. You did well. Thank you, Mr. Plumbuck. You see, there's the hot chestnut man now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the policeman with him. Who are the others here? It's Father Brown. Father Brown. Oh, Laura. Hello. Hello. Laura. Hello. What are you doing here? Oh, why have you brought this gentleman with you? Oh, Miss Laura insisted on coming. I should explain. She told me the whole story. And uh, she thought she would tell Welkin if he turned up at Smythe's flat that she had no intention of marrying Smythe. And I, um, yes, I just tagged along to give her moral support. We've, uh, we've only been here a couple of minutes. We came on the penny omnibus. Oh, do have a chestnut. They're very good. Uh, no, merci. No, thank you. Absolutely oh. decent of you, sir. Oh, yes, Constable. Here we are. Thank you, sir. And you didn't see anyone go in, did you, Constable? No, miss. Not a soul, sir. Good. Well, all seems well. Uh, we'll just go in and double-check with the whole porter, and then we'll go up and see Mr. Smythe. Hmm? I say, I say, Flambeau, uh, take a look at these footprints. Uh, which ones? Well, these, these ones here, going in, eh? And these ones, coming out. Oh, yes. Uh, they seem to be the same person. An extremely heavy man, or he could be carrying a load. Yes. Good firm stride, a good workmanlike boots with hobnails. I read an excellent monograph on footprints when I was first setting up to be a detective. Oh. They're very clear. Yes, 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 yes. That's what struck me. I fear we may be too late. Let's see the hall porter. Would you come with us, Constable? Yes, a very ingenious gentleman, Mr. Smythe. <laughs> he, he rigged up this telephone system mm. from his room upstairs down here to my desk. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, gents, uh, oh, and madam, <laughs> uh, you can take it from me. Nobody's been in since this young gentleman went away. Then what are these patches of melting snow leading upstairs? Uh, yes. Yes, see, the snow has hardly melted despite the warmth here. These footprints were made within the last few minutes. God, the invisible man. Father, you stay down here with Miss Laura. Mr. Angus, will you come up with me? Of course. All right, then. Better go with them, sir. Uh, yes, uh, Constable, just a moment. Yes, sir. Um, could I, uh, could I just have a word, please? Oh, 
the ball is over. After the break. See, the wet marks day. lead straight to his door. No one went in. Can I have my half crown now, sir? And, and see, look there. Fainter marks coming out. Yes. As Father Brown said, we may be too late. What about me half crown? Smile. Smile. Are you all right? Two shillings and sixpence. We'll have to break the door oh, now. There, there is an easier way. Isn't I have my skeleton keys. Well, be careful. What's the matter? Ah, voila. Good. I haven't lost my touch. Well, that's strange. Smythe has an electrical alarm. He said he was putting it on. Yes, I know the kind of thing. There's usually a switch somewhere. Ah, there. But it's off. Hmm. Look, it's a tiny flat. I'll try the kitchen. You try the living room, would you? Yes. <gasps> Mon Dieu! What's the matter? Look, there on the carpet, a trail of blood. Hmm, someone must be wounded or dead. But uh, where's the body? I simply do not understand it. There are but four rooms. All of them we have searched thoroughly. The body must be somewhere. Yes. We must get Father Brown up here. What, the little priest? Yes, yes, yes. We'll call him on that internal telephone thing. Yes, here it is. Hello, uh, is that the concierge? Uh, I mean, you know, the, the whole porter, yeah? That's good. Look, uh, this is Mr. Flambeau, one of the gentlemen in Mr. Smythe's flat. Would you kindly ask Father Brown to come up? Hmm? Oh, and the policeman, yes, please. Ah, he's not there. Uh, well, uh, just Father Brown then, huh? Well, here we are. Ah, Father Brown. Ah, yes, I'm sorry about the policeman. I, I sent him off on an errand. Laura, why did you come up here as well? It's not a pretty sight, you know. I wanted to know what happened. Uh, yes, well, uh, so do we. Uh, come through. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you'll notice, Father, the wet footprints. Ah, they yes. come right into the flat. Yes, yes. But uh, why were you interested in the footprints outside? Ah, uh, hmm? yes, well, they were the only ones that weren't partially obscured by snow. They were made after it stopped. Um, do you mind if I just uh, potter about? Uh, no, 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 of yeah, course. Please go ahead. Yeah. Ah. Ah, now this is interesting. Well, oh. What is it? We didn't think any of those uh, papers were relevant. Mm. Um, no, 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 they're not. But this, um, this, this one um, this might interest you, Miss Laura. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Father. Excuse me. All right at my coming, sir. Oh, yes, 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 uh, Constable, do come in. We arrested him, as you suggested, sir. Well oh, done, this? well done. You've acted very promptly. Uh, thank you, sir. He confessed at once. We're going to drag the canal for the body. Good, good. But, sir, the little priest triumphs again. Look, huh? would someone please explain? You've caught the invisible man. Oh, only mentally invisible, Mr. Angus. Uh, you know how rich people never notice the presence of servants. They take them for granted. To them, they are invisible. Yes, mm. but uh, Smythe had no servants. Ah, well, there are public servants as well as domestic servants. When those four honest people said that no one had gone into the mansions or the flat, they meant no one they noticed. And, Miss Laura, there was something you said to me which wasn't true. What? I say, Father. No, no, don't be annoyed. Uh, she thought it was true. But there can't be no one in the street outside just after a letter has been delivered. Hmm? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there was the stamp paper. Uh, oh. Look, I, I, I can't stand it anymore. Now, who is this fellow? What does he look like? What is the usual get-up of a mentally invisible man? Oh, hmm? he's dressed rather handsomely in red, blue and gold. 
and in this striking and even showy costume, he entered Himalaya mansions under eight human eyes. What? Yes, he killed Smythe in cold blood after Smythe opened the door to him, and he came down into the street again, carrying the dead body over his shoulder. Dear Father Brown, are you raving mad, or am I? You're not mad, only a little unobservant. James Welkin was dressed as a postman. So it was working after all. See, nobody ever notices postmen somehow, yet they have passions like other men. And, um, and don't they carry large sacks where a small corpse can be stowed quite easily? Hmm? Have you ever noticed this, that people never answer what you say? They answer what you mean, or what they think you mean. You see, suppose, suppose one lady says to another in a country house, is anybody staying with you? The lady doesn't answer, yes, the butler, the three footman, the parlour maid, and so on, though the parlour maid may be in the room, or the butler behind her chair. She says, there's nobody staying with us, meaning nobody of the sort you mean. But, now, suppose a doctor inquiring into an epidemic asks who is staying in the house, then the lady will remember the butler, the parlour maid, and the rest. Yes, yes. I see. All language is used like that. You never get a question answered literally, even when you get it answered truly. And when these four quite honest people said that no man had gone into the mansions. They didn't really mean that no man had gone into them. They meant no man whom they could suspect of being your man. A man did go into the house and did come out of it, but they never noticed it. Oh, 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 absolutely horrid. Let's talk about something else. Oh, look here. Smythe's patent waste disposal system. The dustman you don't have to tip. Let's try it. Oh, oh. This paper will do. Oh, oh be careful. Nora. Here's the button. Oh, ah. Extraordinary. Ah. And now, Mr. Angus. Yes? Don't you find it close in here? Close? Would you care for a walk in the park? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, very much. <laughs> um... Excuse us, gentlemen. Excuse us. Goodbye, Monsieur Flambeau. Mademoiselle. Father Brown. Oh, goodbye, Miss Laura. <laughs> now, tell me, Father Brown, what was on that paper, huh? I thought you said it was important, yet she threw it away. Yes, yes, it could have been important to some people, I suppose. It was Isidore Smythe's will. He left her everything, one and a half million pounds. One and a half yes. million? But I don't think Miss Laura would wish to be wealthy. After all, didn't she say she was determined that the man she would marry would, uh, what was the phrase, would have to carve his own way in the world? Hmm? Mm -hmm. What a challenge for young Mr. Angus. Eh? In The Invisible Man by G.K. Chesterton, the part of Father Brown was played by Andrew Sachs. Flambeau, Olivier Pierre. Laura, Eileen Tully. John Turnbull Angus, Anthony Hyde. Isadore Smythe, Michael Drew. Mrs. Wilkins and Charlady, Margot Boyd. Policeman, Peter Aker. Urchin, Melinda Walker. The Invisible Man was adapted by John Scotney and directed in Bristol by Alec Reed. Our next week's story is The Honour of Israel Gow, in which Father Brown surveys the remnants of a battered corpse and talks of money.
This has been a Nostalgic Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.